Welcome to the new episode of Quarter Quest, Comics on the Cheap. Can I ask you a question before we begin? Have you ever wanted to have your own podcast? If so, we'd like to recommend Podbean. We've been using it for the last three years, and we love it. It's easy to use, and the customer support is amazing. Just go to podbean.com and enter the code HAUNTEDLOG at checkout and get your first month of podcasting for free. That's podbean.com, Haunted Log. Now, on to the show. Buddy, to the Hunting Timothy, the Books of Magic podcast, where a couple of buddies go through volume two of the Books of Magic, uh, book by book, and review each issue. Today we're talking about number three from July of 94, written by Reber, art by Amaro, and um, colored by Gross. All so right. We have one mistake that we made already that his father or whatever the the falconer yep. did not appear in the graphic novel he appeared in arcana books of magic annual number 1 which is before this series came out and that's where he met tim and left him in the desert and that's probably why i didn't really remember him being in that series and before one of the guys on our Discord pointed that out. I totally forgot about that issue. Totally forgot. because I think I have it. I just don't think I've ever read it. <laughs> well, it's part of the Children's Crusade, and I wasn't reading that. So it's one of these issues that I just kind of like was like, you know what, screw it. I don't need this. Right. But now I kind of want it, but the reviews on it aren't that great. People were like, you know, the story could have been told with half as much. You know, we didn't need a whole annual. And why is an annual the first issue of the book? Right. So that always confused me. And I have, like, this D-bag that my ex-girlfriend in Minnesota used to hang out with was collecting all of the Children's Crusades, and he loved, like, Vertigo comics, and he was just a complete D-bag. And he was reading the Children's Crusade, and I think that was personally why I never bought it. Because I was like, you know what? I don't want to read what this D-bag is talking about. So <laughs> I, uh, I just never got it. Every time I would see it at half price books for a quarter, I would just put it back. Cool. I'll but, have to double check, see if I have that because I think I do have that. Maybe I'll read it for next week then and see so, what that has. Yeah. So we, there, we fixed it. <laughs> All right. Good deal. Like I said, we're not we're not scholars about this book. We're just fans. And if you guys find us on something that we're talking about wrong, let us know, and we'll bring it up on the show. Yeah, we're trying to do our best. We know there's a lot out there that uh, something could have happened and we didn't catch it. This issue picks up right after the last issue, obviously, uh, where Tim ends up in Ferry looking for his dad, who is he thinks is a falconer. And it starts off with the falconer flying over fairy and talking about how bad it has gotten and how grateful he is that he never brought, uh, in the last 20 years, how he never brought Tim to that land in, until recently. He talked about how just, he murdered a distant cousin, 
because somebody made fun of his uh, sister's chastity, talked about being a coward and not believing in anything, not even himself, and so forth and so on, and kind of just giving you a little view of who he is. And then it picks up with Tim running around in this house. Remember, he made the deal to find out, was it for his because it was originally the guy's name, and then he changed it to who his father was, correct? Originally, it was who his father was. And then it became what his oh, name is. That's right. And then it became, he'll tell them both. Okay. So, Tim's talking to himself, and they're setting up for this game of hide-and-seek. And, you know, he's crawling through things. He's like, there's nothing to help protect him. Um, there's no knives in the kitchen. Uh, there's no doors to lock or barricade. There's all sorts of places for you to hide. But, but he, every place that is available to hide in is trapped. Yes. Right? So it's a total predator's house. Right. Like it's, it's made for somebody to be hunted in, which is really cool. And he comes out of this tunnel, and he looks down, and he actually sees the corpse of one of the people that had played this game previously. Then we go to the... Uh, guy who we don't know his name and he's playing the flute and he's doing this in front of a classroom like he's in a classroom and he's telling himself how great he is at doing this and this there's people in this kids in this classroom and they show a shadow of him walking out the door and they pan down to the desk and it's a specimen 5015 so all these kids that were in there are have been, I guess, stuffed, for lack of a better word. And he decides he's going to go find Tim and see what's going on with him. In the meantime, Tim makes it into a library and starts looking through books and finds some pages about a unicorn and then so a one manicorn. Of the things, he's always talking in Latin. And mm -hmm. when he's talking to the kids, he says, Animus opibesque parati? And that is means prepared in mind and resources i i did a i was like huh i wonder what all this means so and what's weird is it's also on the seal of south carolina just saying huh <laughs> i did not know that nor did i put in the effort to do that so that thank you for <laughs> doing that <laughs> um and the guy comes into the library and he's talking to him and he's like, how do you, Tim's like, how do you call these books where you've, you've ripped out all these pages? And he's like, there's still books. There's still important information in there. I'm just not all the information is what it basically boils down to. And he starts getting mad at Tim. And he's going to walk off. Well, Tim finds something in one of the books. He quickly rips it out and then says, hold on a second. I want to hear what you really think about uh, unicorns. Because he said that he didn't believe in unicorns, even though he has one in his entryway he doesn't believe in magic either and so he's like well what you know unicorns are magic how how come you can't believe in them and he made the comment that clearly your education was deficient and they walk out into the foray where the unicorn is and tim wipes off the plaque and it does say specimen on that so you're starting to see that he's more of a collector um almost like a Natural History Museum, I, would, I guess. And he's starting to tell the story about how this unicorn came in to his property 
and got trapped inside the gates like Tim did. And he would just watch the unicorn and gradually the unicorn just died because there's nothing for it to eat and it just died. And so he brought it in and mounted it. He started talking about how the, you know, how he used glass for the eyes and Tim finally had us enough of it and says, forget it. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to know any of this anymore. Just go get ready for this game. Let's get this over with. I'm, I'm just done with you. As the guy leaves to go get changed, Tim is talking to the unicorn and saying, well, maybe when they, he kills me and finally takes my soul, uh, he'll stuff me and put you, put me right next to you. And, uh, and does the whole mocking of, you know, and on your left, ladies and gentlemen, here we have a dumb unicorn with a dumb kid. You know, kind of ad-libbing to that. And the gentleman's now going in, he's getting behind a curtain and is changing into his actual form. And Tim decides, you know what, I'm done hide. You know, I'm, I'm not going to find any place better to hide. I'm going to hide under you. And starts talking about the page that he got out of this book of Manticore. And he's like, well, maybe that's what his name is. Tim has figured out that he's probably a Manticore, but he doesn't know if that's his name or if it's just a creature he is, but he can't, he, you know, he figures that if he's going to cast a spell on him, he's got to have the name, but maybe he can just say Manticore, see what happens. And then he makes the comments about how, if it was John, he'd make some kind of a trap out of an empty silk cut pack or something. John Constantine or Zantana would just say, Metacore, get stuffed. But obviously backwards. I was actually pretty impressed that Tim was able to say that backwards uh, <laughs> there. And so the Metacore is coming out, and Tim's still talking to the unicorn. Obviously the unicorn is stuffed, so there's no response. And the Metacore grabs him real quick. And the, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is the first one out of the three we've read where you actually see that um, Tim cusses in it, like full on uh-huh. cusses. It says shit. That that was not real common. It, it's gotten more common, but early issues of this were not real common to see that happening. And so the Matacorn has Tim. He's pulling him back and getting ready to attack him. And Tim's fighting back, get off me. You know, in time, you're not going to even be worried about it because you'll be dead. And the paper that Tim had that had the Matacorn and the description of the Matacorn on it falls at the feet of the unicorn. And the Matacorn has scratched Tim and blood has gotten on this paper and on the unicorn. And Tim's yelling, and it hurts. And all of a sudden, you hear this, or see this clop. And the Matacorn looks up, and the unicorn's alive and takes his horn and stabs this paper with the Matacorn on it and essentially kills the Matacorn. It turns him into sand or dust. And Tim's telling the unicorn, hey, thanks for saving me. And the unicorn just walks off. And as he's walking out, he's bleeding. You see the blood dropping on the ground. And it's hitting this desert. Remember, the falconer is the one that kind of created this desert to begin with uh, because the queen wasn't appreciating the beauty of 
what she had. And as the blood's hitting the ground, all this grass is starting to come up and flowers and just turning into this massively beautiful field. And the falconer's flying over, sees Tim, and Tim's joking. He's like, you know, I really could go for a Coke. Uh, maybe the unicorn went off to get us a drink. Well, I doubt that because the unicorn's really got not a drink-getting sort of unicorn. <laughs> just the conversation that he has with himself throughout these books are just outstanding. And he falls to the ground, and the falconer lands, and Tim tells him about the manticore. Uh, he's like, wait, you fought the manticore? Where's he at? And Tim said that oh, he's been beaten. And the falconer goes, well, did you get cut, bit, anything? And Tim's like, oh, yeah, but it doesn't hurt anymore. And then he has his, it looks like he has his glasses off. He has his hands over his eyes. And he goes, I know what holds the world together now. Except it's not a what. It's not even really an it. She's pretty. She's so pretty. You get to the last page, and death makes another appearance. So the last time we saw death, unless she was in that annual, was in the four books going into this series. And this is a beautiful, beautiful page. Last page of the book of death. And just absolutely gorgeous. I actually might have to see if I can find another copy of this. Just take that page out and hang it on my wall. But um, <laughs> it's a beautiful page. And that's how the book's left off for this time. So what's cool so, is like you, you find out a little bit more about the, the person that Tim is by mm-hmm. he's, he's smarter than most kids his age because the others that were trapped in the Manticore's house played the game. They, they played hide and seek with him and they're all dead. And Tim was like, you know what? He's going to find me anyway. I might as well just stay out in the open. And he just stayed with the unicorn and had a conversation with him. Right. He was just like, yep. you know, maybe you are smarter than my grade school teacher, you know, Mr. Philosophy. And he's just a strong willed little kid. He is. He really is. I think he gets they get the character really well with that because there's there are points where he acts like a 12 or 13 year old. And there's points where he acts like he's maturing. And you saw a lot of that in this book. Truthfully, I've never really cared for issues two and three of this book because I didn't care for the character of uh, the Matacorn. But they did enough with the character of Tim that I wanted to carry on reading it. And like I've mentioned on previous episodes, it is one of my favorite books because of the development of the character and the other people they bring in. So I was grateful to actually be done with issue three because I'm like, Matacorn's gone. Yay. Now it's going to get into the really good stuff. But yeah, I think they had a really good grasp on Tim as a character and what they wanted to do with him and just how intelligent he could be. He's taken all this in stride too. You just found out he can do magic, you know, not that long ago. And he's just like, yeah, whatever. Let's see what happens. You know, um, I don't know about you, Nick, but for me, I would think that, Hey, I can do magic. Let me practice and do try to do some tricks or something like that. You really don't see him doing that outside. Of, you really didn't see any magic there outside of uh, him coming over into the land of fairy. And he was smart enough to know 
okay, if I tried this magic, it might not work on a creature like this. You know, you, you, I, I would think a 12 or a 13-year-old would be like, hey, this is a new toy for me. Let's see what we can do with it and start using some of those powers. One interesting thing, the, the word manticora or manticore is Latin, and it means man-eater. Hmm. The Greeks called this character uh, Antrophagos, which means man-eater. So just one little thing in there. Yeah, clearly they did the research when they were doing this, too. So if anybody did look it up, it actually had meaning to it. Right. And I looked up Queen Titania. Um, she's a huge character in literature. Since Shakespeare's Midsummer's Night's Dream, like every queen of the fairy are named Titania. So That's why I know it. I knew that name. I couldn't figure out why. I was watching a show on, I think, Amazon Prime. It was about war in the world of fairy, and their queen was Titania. So I was just like, okay, how many Titanias are there? So I just looked it up, and it's everybody, pretty common. everybody uses it wow. since then. So hmm. Interesting. Yep. All right. Do we have anything else for this one? No, not really. I'm starting to get more and more into the story, and should be pretty interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really looking forward to, to getting into these next issues, because that's where it really picked up for me. Yeah. I actually think it gets better when the new art and writers come on. Oh, I, I do agree with that. It really does. Like the first um, 12 are okay, but after that, it just takes off. Mm-hmm. It feels like they, they've really kind of figured out what they want, the direction they wanted to go. You know, with uh, Reber, you know, I think he tried to get too in-depth in certain aspects of it, and the next writer just really brings it down a little bit and it feels more like an understandable read. It felt more um, cohesive. It, it felt less sandman -y. Yeah. Like this was really Sandman at this time. Right. Not that there's anything wrong with Sandman, but this is a separate thing. Yeah. And I think Reber was trying too much to be like Neil Gaiman. Yeah. So that's a very good point. It's not, it's not bad. I mean, it's good, but it, it gets a lot better. Yes. Yeah. This is like, you know, like we talked about how death isn't allowed to be outside of <laughs> Neil Gaiman controlled comics. So <laughs> this is actually one of the, the appearances that he approved of. So not yeah, like I, Captain Britain or Captain Adam. I'm trying to think. I think the only other outside of his universe wasn't the only other appearance in, like, action comics? She appeared in Captain Adam when he died. Oh, that's right. And Gaiman got so mad because they they said that she was an aspect of death and not really death. And he was like, no, that is not going to happen. You know, never again are you using my characters in anything that I do not give my okay to. Go out and find that issue. It's really stupid. <laughs> I remember right. It's worth a pretty penny, though. Yeah. Which is probably the only Captain Adam issue that's worth anything since uh, Charlton Comics had it. Hmm. Because you can find those issues for like 50 cents. Right. But just that one. Yep. All right. 
So I think we're good, huh? We're good. Cool. All right. Next week, issue four. <laughs> right. And we're done. All right. We'll see you guys. <laughs> we'll see you. Bye. Bye.